Welcome to Q&A Quest episode 198. I'm your host, Mike Apps, a.k.a. Wheels, and with me as always. Uh, remastered in HD with the ability to skip encounters, David McBurney, Family Master. Uh, uh, cooking dinner in the background, your man in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaiji Mogatari. <sighs> so. And happy Nintendo Direct Day to everyone. Yeah, that seriously, yeah, that just yeah. came up and hit us between recordings. Yeah, I know. I, I just logged on to Reddit for a few minutes and scrolled down. And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I knew there was like a 50 minute direct coming up, but okay, that's some that's nice a, news. There was a lot of news in this one, and yeah. like it wasn't necessarily the blockbuster news that a lot of people wanted for most of it except for splatoon 3 that was kind of a big deal but uh there's a lot of like stuff that i wasn't expecting or that there's some interesting localization announcements and some things that are right in our wheelhouse yes uh, i felt like many things were right within our wheelhouse so let's start with the easy stuff saga frontier remastered april 15th yes that yes. Is, that is soon. Not soon enough, but I will take it. So, so Wheels, Dave, are you guys going to get it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. How about we find five more people and each of us take one scenario and then write a part of a review for each? I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'll be red. <laughs> okay, we've got a volunteer. So, Wheels, which one do you want? Loot or Fuse? Fuse. <laughs> fuse? Okay. You have to finish all the other scenarios to get him, I think. Really? Yeah, I think I don't know if he's unlocked uh, at the start. I'll take loot. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm. I don't know why they wouldn't have him unlocked at the start because the game already had an unlockable final boss quest if you complete everyone. Yeah, I think that I seem to recall that, but maybe that's me just making assumptions. Especially since they put loot on the, on the uh, oh, um, start page or the start yeah. screen. So I mean, I was just assuming that they had him in as a. As a scenario with the others. Oh, he is and a scenario, but yeah, we'll yeah. find out. Yeah. And the I did appreciate them clarifying for the English audience that uh, they are making significant uh, restorations to Asalis's scenario as well. So. Oh, that was confirmed. Yeah. Okay, good, because that was. I mean, I assumed because that was. That was the place that made the most sense to add things back. Yeah, I mean that's the one where I knew more of what was actually taken out yeah they uh, uh they mentioned I, in the english trailer that's like a scenario, like a new additions to a scenario yeah i mean i remember comment boards like 20 years ago going into the um the official release documentation and stuff that was found in the rom and stuff and it's like apparently there was an, a different method of escaping the vampire castle originally and there was some special scene, um, scene involving this mystic in the Magic Kingdom and a couple other things, including possibly a raid on a terrorist base. I can't remember quite exactly. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, Acellus had the most cut content of the scenarios that were reasonably intact. Yeah. I mean, the most no, restorable content. On this matter. But, yeah. Yeah, Acellus had the most restorable content. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, Ricky's quest had some stuff restored as well. Yeah, but yeah, that's the one that they chose yeah. to highlight in the yeah. Nintendo Direct uh, trailer. Yeah. yeah. 
But I mean, like Red and Amelia had pretty pretty complete. Mentality. Yeah, they're pretty robust and like they they tell a story that has a beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're the most linear of the set. Mm-hmm. And then what's his face? The robot whose call sign I still cannot remember properly. T two sixty G. I almost got it right in my head. Okay, good. I knew there was a G and a T and a six and something in there. Yeah. But yeah, T two sixty G is another one that's fairly intact. Yeah. We'll probably see like extra lore added into all of them. Mm-hmm. wherever possible quite possibly one or two new scenarios that are shared across multiple yeah you might just see some side quests that are accessible by multiple characters yeah uh, so. yeah so that's uh that's exciting that was you know a game we knew about but it wasn't clear what time of year it was coming so yeah. april is actually kind of earlier than i was expecting yeah me too I'm just happy that it, that gives us about two, almost two and a half months before the next big item on the list. Lejimana! Yeah, a.k.a. Saga the Action RPG. Kawasu yes. of Mana. Yes. I believe in Japan known as Seiken Densetsu Legend of Mana. One of those yeah. beautiful situations where nice. the English title ends up buried in the Japanese title. <laughs> no, I mean, it was also the first one to actually have the mana title inside the title to begin with yeah um so i mean and if, unfortunately second and set to four is officially dawn of mana yeah that's so an extremely bad game that we should all forget um yeah dawn of mana what's that i've never heard of this thing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah legend of mana is coming back baby with a remix soundtrack or you can keep the original thankfully but and the ability to turn off encounters and also pocket station emulation. I didn't even realize that it had pocket station support in Japan. But when it I saw did. it flash on the screen, I was like, there is nothing that can be other than the pocket station. <laughs> yeah, I know Legend of Mana and Final Fantasy VIII both had pocket station, and those are the only two games I know of that actually had it. Yeah, Except it was I, I, did find, I did find a little game called Pocket Kingdom for PlayStation that was actually entirely on pocket station. <laughs> that sounds experimental and extremely dull after a while but and very cheap <laughs> i would believe it yeah uh i love i love the pocket station implementation of, in ff8 because it was like it was uh localized because there was a point, period where sony was threatening to bring over the pocket station before just sort of not bothering but uh that meant that like that content is still accessible in the english version uh in the sense that you can get the tutorial to trigger if you have a dodgy enough third-party memory card. Because I had a friend who had like some Garbo third-party memory card that the that FF8 was convinced was a pocket station, <laughs> and so it just like it just responded by booting the pocket station tutorial, and so we got to see the Chocobo's World tutorial then. You know, of course, we couldn't play it because it was still just a memory card. It was just one that, for some reason, FF8 thought was a pocket station. Nice. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's great to see. I was curious how they were going. Like, Square is clearly intent on re-releasing much, if not most, of the Mana franchise. So I was curious how they were going to respond to Legend of Mana, a game that uh i love that would also probably be ill served by a 3d remake given that its best feature is its aesthetic (laughs) yes yes 
And, I mean, that's, uh, that was the game that kind of reinvented the series aesthetic to begin with. Yeah, yeah. And it has a really strong one, but it is very different comparatively. Watercolors! A lot of them. Very lush. But, yeah, so that's coming, I think, in June? May? Something uh, like that. June 28th. So, yeah, uh, the cup runneth, the Kawazu Cup runneth over, mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. Well, I think we can certainly thank the success of the Trials of Mana remake. It's like, it was like, between physical copies and download, it was over one million sold, I believe. Uh, yeah, that's Trials pretty- of- it's yeah, simple. which is for a Mana game is quite impressive. For anything that's quite impressive. Uh, especially after the, uh, uh, shall we say, uh, less than stellar Secret of Mana remake. Yeah, yeah that, that one hardly counts as a remake. Somehow. Yeah. yeah. So. But yeah, let, let us all hope that they decide to release a second collection of Saga as well. Ah, uh, that'd be nice. Yeah. Would that be would that be the romancing? No, uh, that one. We've that, already got like, those re-released separately. No, I'm talking about the DS games. Yeah. Oh, that's what you mean. That makes sense. Yeah, the one that the ones that Kawazu has said are currently just too much of a mess to technically uh, tech uh, on tech. Or no, I want to use technically, but not the way we usually use technically. Um, and tech in a technical sense, they are. They are too much of an effort to port over. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, so. I, I would imagine that they're very bespoke to the DS hardware under the hood. Yeah. <laughs> so I would imagine that the concept, like, DS emulation is not as mature as something like Game Boy or Super Nintendo emulation, so just writing a wrapper around them would be a problem in and of itself. And then, they they did manage to port the world ends with you to iPhones, and Switch, and Switch. So, and I don't see them being any more bespoke to the system than that game, which actually had very significant touch controls. Yeah, it's more just like it's just DS emulation is weird. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's probably doable. It's just it would require more of a budget than the ones that they've done thus far, so it might take a while. But it also seems like something he wants to happen, and he seems to be good at getting things to happen. Especially so. considering the successes of the last few of his games that have been re-released so far. Yeah. So yeah, we'll probably eventually see those. Um Yay. Trying to think of what else uh, we should bring up. Uh, Zelda? Yes, yes. Uh, in HD. Skyward Sword HD. I love it. Most of the internet doesn't. <laughs> isn't, that the one, isn't that the one where you were supposed to use the motion controls to wave the sword around? Yeah, and you can still do that, but you can also use uh, analog sticks now. Yeah. So okay. if you want to play in handheld mode, you can do that too. My favorite uh, well, Zelda that... game before Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Oh, it, it was also, I remember, it was also the uh, subject of a pretty good April Fool's joke many years ago for our site. I don't think I saw this. Um, I, I think think this was Max Storm's doing, but they uh, they wrote a review for a, a second Wii Zelda game mm-hmm. called Stratocaster Sword. 
<laughs> that was designed to make use of the Guitar Hero control I, um, a peripheral. And all of the screenshots were badly done photoshops combining Skyward Sword and GTA. Nice. That's a lot. I'm not yeah. ready for that. And um, apparently the story was like Link accidentally gets um, falls through a time portal into a far future Hyrule where uh, like what was it Big um, Big Daddy G or something like some ridiculous fake rapper uh, named version of Ganon was controlling the world through nightclubs. <laughs> well, a lot to unpack there. Uh... <laughs> it was yeah. really funny. To be oh, honest. I believe it. Yeah. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm over the moon at the chance to play Skyward Sword again. That's still one of my favorite Zelda games. Uh, interestingly, they mentioned that uh, the motion, in addition to the you know the analog stick controls, that the motion stick, the the motion controls have actually been improved because the Switch can process the movements better than the Wii could, which makes sense. So that'll be... I'm very excited to play that. Uh, I'll probably try to make use of both types of controls and do some comparisons personally, but... Uh, oh, that's oh, but coming. You, but you know, if this, if that game is also very successful on the Switch, you know what's coming next? What? Dragon Quest Swords 2. Oh, world's not ready for that. World's absolutely not ready for that. I'm ready. Bring it on. Yeah, yeah. You are not ready. Um... But yeah, when did when did Square Enix ever pass up the opportunity to ride a wave of popularity? True enough. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Skyward Sword HD coming in July. Uh, credible rumors saying that there's probably going to be Wind Waker and Twilight Princess ports as well later in the year. I believe it. I mean, they've already updated those on Wii. Yeah, those are already just Switch ready. The real question yeah. becomes, like, how long do they leave Ocarina and Majora's Mask stranded? Because those... I can't imagine Nintendo leaving at least Ocarina unplayable for any meaningful period of time, so the question yeah. becomes when. As but... soon as the last rotation of 3DS um, handhelds falls out of use... Yeah, I think officially the 3DS is like ceasing manufacturer or has already ceased manufacture. So. Oh, yeah, it's about a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. No, no it's the not last dead. Official, I don't want to hear it. I don't believe it. The last official game release for crying. 2019, like April, I think. It was uh, like a World War II simulator. Hmm. Uh, oh, is that one of those Dysenryaku games? I think so. That sounds about right. Let me, let, let me see. I think I have actually... Um, I had the file on here somewhere, and because it was uh, answered a question once about this. Uh, okay, saved pictures. Let's see, um, it was down here somewhere. I got too many photos in this thing. Um, after I got rid of most of them. Um, dang. Dun, 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 jokes there. Let's see. Oh, come on. Uh, no, that one. That's Metal Max. Uh, okay. And, uh, there we go. Last 3DS game. Let's see. What was it? Uh, Dai Senkaku Dai Great East Asian something or other DX. 
Di- yeah, it's a Second World War sim from System Sounds Soft. about right. Yeah. And see, I see the Mitsubishi Zero, a couple Mitsubishi Zeros, the battleship Yamato original, and the Rising Sun naval flag on the front. So I don't see this one being sold outside Japan. Good figure. Okay. <sighs> Uh, yeah, so I tried to send to Dyson Ryaku, my brain just oh, uh, uh, me refusing to accept the death of the 3DS. Yeah, yeah, I um, say as I'm buying up PSP games recently, uh, going even further so, into the past. You're just what, what, was, the list? what yes. was the list that you wanted again? Uh, you wanted me to look out for anything with Torneco on the title, yes, okay. Haven't had a real chance to look yet, but I will keep my eyes out. And if you happen upon any of the, uh, what is the Japanese name for the Fortune Street games? Itadaki Street. Itadaki Street. Yes, the one. For... Well, I asked you if you wanted a copy of one once, like a month ago, two months ago. Yeah, I forgot. Well, I I have Itadaki Street DS bare no case for about ten bucks. Hmm. I take that. Okay. Yeah. Also... I, I can. Yeah, I was gonna say I can keep an eye out for it with the case on and just compare prices to see if I mean because sure. I I kind of grabbed it because I had a discount on something else that I wanted to get and needed a little more to push it over. I've also so. been looking for the PSP one. Mm. Yeah. So uh, just offhand, I. I know they're not the most expensive games out there, but they do hold on to their value a bit. <sighs> Just a popular series. But yeah. Lots of copies made, so that does a lot too. Yeah, let's see. What else is worth mentioning from that direct? Uh, um, tactics. Yeah, Triangle Tactics. Project so Triangle Tactics. What is tactics. that one? I saw the title, but I don't know anything about it. Uh, think Final Fantasy Tactics made by the Octopath team. Okay, cool. Oh, that's why I saw a different art, um, different column with Octopath Tactics on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's Triangle. Currently, it's labeled Project Triangle Strategy. There's a part of me that hopes they just keep that name, but. Cool <laughs> name. It's a name. Yeah, there's a there's a demo out that I haven't gotten the chance to play yet, but it looks really cool and. I liked Octopath, so uh, you know I'm I'm down for uh, a strategy RPG from Square on a console, something that they haven't done in Ages. many years. Yeah, I mean I haven't finished Octopath, but I enjoyed it quite a lot. So yeah. I have to finish something to enjoy it. Um, True, <laughs> I and mean, I'm sure it'll be better than Bravely Default too. Bravely Default 2's demo was pretty good. I'll be playing yeah, that when it drops in price a bit. Yeah. I'm I know, sorry. I'm dragging out my old April it. Fool's um, article on basically dissing Bravely Default a couple more times. <laughs> sure. You remember, do you remember that one, Wheels? Yes. Yeah. I swear it started out as a joke. I swear it did. <laughs> it turned into, it gained its final form over time. Yes. So yeah, for everyone in the audience, in case you don't remember, literally six years ago, um, 
I think either Paws or Mac had the idea to turn the front page into a clickbait central just for fun for April Fool's Day. And so my contribution was a clickbait title based on the idea of that popular game sucks, ha ha. Um, and then you um, convinced yourself. I, I conv not only convinced myself, but I convinced other people. <laughs> I mean, some of the first comments on the forums were like, okay, I'm looking at the date, but I'm not sure if this is actually a joke. <laughs> this is despite the fact that the only argument I had for one the other games I was comparing the default to was the one sentence repeated four times in a row. Just like the end of Bravely Default. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> but... <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know. I thought the demo of Bravely Default 2 addressed a lot of my issues with the writing of Bravely Default 1, so I'm willing to give it a try because the gameplay was still reasonably strong. So I'll pick that up when it's huh? party chat. Uh, that was the thing that threw me when I played the demo of 2 was that, like, character, there was not a period where the characters, like, sat around just repeating the same thing to each other. Like. Yes. You got pulled into a conversation that explained the plot point that you had wandered into, and then you moved on. So, I was willing to, you know, I'm willing to give that game all a try. Right, all right. So, yeah, uh, I promise I will try it when it goes down in price a little. I have, uh, there are a lot of games coming out I need you to understand. <laughs> uh, I just bit on a reduced price King. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, Melody of Memory, and, like, I needed a new theater rhythm. I'm sorry. Uh, I managed to avoid that somehow. Coward. Well, only because I'm trying to finish a few retro collections. That's 140 songs, Wheels. Yeah, I know, but I found this nice, really nice copy of Wild Arms 2. Retro uh, I love for, Wild Arms For 30 too. bucks. Oh, good one. Yeah. It's time to talk about Lizard again. Yeah. Uh, as it turns out, the case was a little cracked, but I just bought a cheap, cheap copy of uh, some Gran Turismo game and just ripped that out. Yeah. Performed nice. surgery. Now I have a nice copy of Wild Arms too. Yeah. Which I have never owned physically. That's wow. Crazy to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy because I absolutely adored the original game, and I don't, I, I honestly don't know what happened. <laughs> I love all three of Wild Arms one through three, and then the series gets kind of weird, and I have less love for the later ones, but they're still interesting. Uh, and, and, uh, and having only played up through number three and knowing what the first three games are like, the expression "and then the series gets weird" kind of makes me worried. <laughs> It gets different, it I'll put it that way. Yeah, it gets different, I'll put it that way. Like, Wild Arms 4 has essentially a total, like, reframing of the entire franchise. Like, it changes the battle system to be more of, like, a simplified tactical RPG. And it has, like, jumping and, like, weird minor platforming elements. It's a very strange game. Uh... But yeah, just to, to round out the Nintendo Direct before we completely go off the rails uh, on random. Yeah, things. as we always do. Um, let's see. Uh, for the Muso fans in the audience, uh, there's going to be 
like a season pass for uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity that should surprise literally zero people. Uh, and much more a confusing. A game with a, with a DLC pass? Never heard of such yeah. a thing. Uh, and much more much more surprising was the announcement of Samurai Warriors 5. Yeah, that actually took me by surprise. It took me a while to determine what it was, because, like, it had a much more stylized art style, so I was like, is this Sengoku Basara? And it's like, no, it's, uh, it's Samurai Warriors, Sengoku Muso. Well, didn't, so. well, didn't they flash the Tecmo Koei early on? Uh, I didn't see the Tecmo Koei logo until they had flashed what the game was. Okay. Uh, I, you said Sengoku Muso? Yeah, Sengoku Muso 5 is coming to Switch. Cool. Hey, maybe that means I'll see more taxis with different characters uh, painted on them now. Yeah. What are they on now? Yeah. They... Uh, oh, no, uh, since Kato Kiyomasa and Lady Garasha both have historical ties to the city, mm. you, uh, there are a couple of taxis that have the Sengoku Muso characters painted onto the taxi. Ah, so now that they... And, uh, there is, like, an artistic change to this one, so they'd have to redo and, them. And they did update... Um, I mean, they have some from Sengoku Muso 3 and Sengoku Muso 4. Yeah. Same mm. characters. So, time to update again. Yeah. yeah. I was going to well, say. Not update, expand the fleet. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, some people probably missed this, but they actually announced afterwards that it is also coming to yeah. PS4 and, for the first time ever, Xbox. Yeah, PS4, Xbox, and PC are also getting uh, Sengoku Muso 5, so. Oh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, they they did some updates to the art style, so I didn't immediately recognize it. It looked nice though. Uh, no, it looks. Yeah, I I really like the style, and uh, I was always more into Samurai Warriors than Dynasty Warriors because I am a wee bit art, but and also there's just slightly less to keep track of once you get to like Dynasty Warriors like seven or so. It's like there, I don't. I don't know when when or if you ever started making up Romance of Three Kingdoms characters, but I don't think it's actually necessary to make any of them up, so... <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think they'll ever actually run out. Yeah, especially, but like, you they... start digging into some of those versions that don't get translated in English, and they have, like, even more characters. Oh, my God. Yeah. But if they ever do, they'll probably just start borrowing from Legend of the Condor Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's plenty of characters in that one. Including Genghis Khan. Eat who I eat. Wait, no. Uh, let's see. Uh, sorry, I'm just thinking about the Simpsons now. Uh, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Any other major announcements to... Run through Splatoon three. Oh yeah, I mentioned that briefly, but we should probably mention more properly. Yeah, Splatoon three. That looks fun. Uh, let my let my squid wander through the wasteland, please. Uh, yeah, I am all for uh, Fallout squid. Mad squid. Yeah. Squid Max. Mad Max Squid Road. Mad Max Fury Squid no, I there. I think you got it right the first time. Squid Max Beyond Ink Dome. 
Oh. Splatterdome. Okay, beyond Splatterdome. Two squid enter. One squid leave. Two squid enter. One squid leave. Uh, Twenty legs enter. Ten legs leave. <laughs> so have have they said if it's got like some sort of crazy single player mode? Or... Like I would assume that it has a single player component. It's unclear. Like the footage that they showed in that trailer made it look like there's going to be at least some capacity to move around the wasteland. Yeah, because I, I missed most of the trailer, so. Yeah, like, they showed, like, a new city that's different from the one, like, Splatoon 1 and 2. And they showed uh, some, like, traditional Splatoon battles. But they also started the trailer in, like, this weird wasteland where the, like, players selected the design of their squid. And then they showed them wandering a little bit uh, before getting to, like, a train stop and going to the Splatoon city. So it's... Really a question of, like, how much you have capacity to wander that way, Slam, but I don't think they'd have led with that if there wasn't going to be some gameplay element connected to it. Yeah. It's a bit of open-world adventure. That's, that's the thing people seem to want. I'm curious what it'll be. Yeah. yeah. I uh, mean, they, they kind of added that to the most recent Mario game release for Switch. Yeah, yeah, Bowser's Fury. Fury, whatever. Yeah, that looks neat. I need to pick that up. It's, um, it's pretty cool. So I hear... Uh, but yeah, that that looks really good. Uh, that comes out next year though, so it's gonna be a bit. <laughs> yep, just like Breath of the Wild Two is, I, I assume next year at this point. All they said was that there would be more information about it later this year. Yeah. So, eh, who knows? Uh, yeah, Breath of the Wild Two was uh, a no-show. A bunch of people got real upset because A.G. Aonuma showed up just long enough to say, yeah, we don't have an announcement yet, but later this year. <laughs> uh, that's, that's been a bit of a tease and troll. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, uh, that's where that uh, currently sits. Uh... There, there were other things that were shown, uh, some ports that give me hope for other things that I actually care about. Such um, as? So they, they showed Tales from the Borderlands on Switch. Oh, yeah. Which that's is not terribly game. interesting to me. I've heard that's good, but I don't care because I hate Borderlands. But uh, hold, on, uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've played a bit of that. If you hate Borderlands, you may actually like it because it is nothing like Borderlands whatsoever. That's important. Uh, and the, writing, but the, the writing is like perfect. It's yeah, I've heard good things strange. about the writing. Thankfully, Gearbox didn't touch the writing. Um, <laughs> but what I was going to say about it was that that game actually got leaked a couple days ago at the same time that an Ace, that a Daigyakuten Saibon uh... collection got leaked. And that was a no-show, but it gives me reason to believe that, yes, that collection definitely exists. Daigyakuten, I mean, Phoenix Wright? The Daigyakuten Saibon was the uh, Ace Attorney spinoff that took place in the 1800s, and you palled around with Sherlock Holmes. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah, so they, they, there has been a lot of credible rumors about the existence of a collection of both of those games that would also be localized into English. And so... 
uh, I'm very excited because I've played a fair bit of the first one, and it's one of it's a really strong game in that franchise. So I really want to properly play both of them. And uh, so yeah, um, and I just want to try to impress upon Wheels the need to use one of the objection themes from that game uh, in the music for this episode. Whatever, we'll see. Um, I'm sorry, I'm honored bound to use Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter music for a while. Wow. Um, can't, you use, can't you use it for one of them, not necessarily both? Fine, fine. It's really good music. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm hopeful that that shows up sooner than later, but I have more reason to... Like, the leak that, ca- that it came from was that both that and Tales from the Borderlands were rated by the Taiwanese uh, rating board. So, uh, well, where there's smoke, there's usually fire, so. so. How about the Borderlands movie? Oh, boy. Don't, don't let that be real. Um, no, Jack real. Black is apparently being asked to do Claptrap. Yeah. Oh, did you, did you not I like Jack real? Black. It's very real, dude. <laughs> I like Jack Black. I despise Claptrap with every fiber of my being. I need to go on a brief rant here. Please accept this. Uh, so claptrap is what happens when you real when you try to make an irritating character, and everyone responds, "You made a really irritating character, and I never want to hear him fucking speak again." <laughs> and your assumption is that the way to fix that in the later games is like, "Well, what if we made it so that everyone in the game hates him too?" And the answer is that isn't what I asked for. I asked you to make him shut the fuck up. <laughs> So he's basically Jar Jar Binks. Sorta. Yeah. Except that, like, Claptrap thinks he's funny. And which also, is. And also, they screwed over his voice actor, so he's even worse in the new. Oh episode. yeah, they they remember when Randy Pitchford and him got into a physical altercation. Oh boy. But yeah, uh, this actually uh, segues brief, uh, beautifully into a question that was uh, asked by Budai. Oh wait, hold and... on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Hold the phone. We got to rewind for a second. I forgot. I wanted to mention the weirdest announcement in the direct. That yeah. When it was announced, they just went, "Wait, what?" Oh, I forgot one that I wanted to bring up as well because that one made me ex- one of them made me excited. Uh, Stubbs the zombie. Oh, that was crazy! I actually yeah. really like that game, but Which, I for, didn't for, expect it. For anyone that has no idea what that is, that is <laughs> it's a weird like game where you play as a zombie made by a bunch of former Bungie. It was employees. made in the Halo engine by a bunch of former Halo people. Yeah, and it's actually really good. Uh, and it's it's being developed by uh, Aspire. Say, yes, new new Embracer Group acquisition, Aspire. Uh, yeah, I mean that's that's a good that is a game I would enjoy playing again on a portable. So I mean, good on them. I mean, yeah, it's good. It's just like it was weird to see it come back because it like it was a blip on the Xbox, like. It came out in, like, March of 2005 for the Xbox, and if you don't remember this, the Xbox was basically dead after 2004. 
Yeah, like I mean, Halo Two came out, and then no one released games for it after that, basically. Yeah, that, and that that is a game Aspire ported to the Mac, so I can understand why they're involved. It, it's just like, <sighs> who even owns that franchise? <laughs> I think Aspire acquired know. it at some stage. Oh my god. But yeah, it's nice to see it again. I like yeah. it. Well, I you know that's fitting for uh, their new owners, the resurrectors yeah. of dead franchises. Maybe yeah, that's, maybe that's why they got purchased. They uh, that is a company. Uh, for those that don't know, it's the same company that uh, bankrolls a certain uh, company we routinely accuse of possibly being some sort of money laundering front. Uh, <laughs> Yay, THQ Nordic. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like they they always need someone to port games of that era. So I mean, and and they also own Deep Silver, by the way. Yeah, they they own a lot of companies actually. Yeah. But what I was gonna say about it was, uh, the thing that I actually got really excited about was that, for the first time after approximately three passed over, uh, re-releases, uh, the Famicom Detective Club games are getting localized into English. Yay! I don't know what those are. So those were disk system games. Uh, back in the day, they were like adventure games in the Japanese style that were, you know, detective mysteries. But, you know, they were sort of, that was, that was the sort of game that you could sell as a disc system game. And it was, you know, kind of a something that would fit inside the limited capacity of a disc. Uh, it, but, you know, it was, they, they have remade or re-released these like three times at this stage. We've never gotten any version of them before officially. And so the fact that they're actually localizing uh, the two Switch remakes of Famicom Detective Club is kind of nuts to me. And I'm excited to play them. Uh, so yeah, those come out sometime in the middle of the year, I think. They're up for pre-order, I should look. But, yeah. June? Huh? June, I think? Yeah, June-ish sounds right. Sure. <laughs> Why not? Uh, but yeah, that's, that's exciting as a fan of like weird things that don't get localized that often and mystery detective games. Uh, oh, well, if you like weird little things that don't get localized too often, I had a few more to note on switch. Do tell. Um, and with actually, I think one of them comes out today for download and the next one comes out next week. Yeah. But the thing, the one that's coming out today, I believe is, um, the GMO, um, it's, it's a port of the G-Mode cell phone adaptation of Sorcerian. By oh, Falcon. nice. Huh. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, let's see. Uh, I, I actually chatted with WordWad on Twitter a bit about this last week, and he was actually kind of pumped for it. I believe oh. that it's a perfectly fine version of Sorcerian. So. Yeah. And the other one that I just saw the other, literally yesterday, it was uh, coming out next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called... It's a, Called Solomon Program, and it's uh, it's a free download. It's got um, like DLC that you can support it with if you want to. I know that's a that's a massive turnoff for some of our people in the uh, Discord, but it's apparently a. Uh, it looks like it's built up as a tactical RPG, but it calls itself a hacking tutorial game. <laughs> huh. That could be fun. And I'm just curious enough to try it out next week. Sounds good. Yeah. 
Uh, I was going to bring up one other thing that only showed up in the Japanese Direct, but which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, that was that the Japanese Direct had a uh, announcement for a licensed Crayon Shinchan game from the developers of the Boku no Natsuyasumi series. Oh, dear. I did see that, didn't I? Oh, let's see. Where are we on Dengeki? I, I saw that looking through the news earlier. Crayon like, Shinchan. Yeah. Like, I am familiar with Shinchan, but I'm more interested in the existence of the, the continued existence of the Boku no Natsuyasumi uh, series developer, uh, which was a sort of cult series from the late 90s to mid-aughts. Uh, kind of a precursor to Animal Crossing in some ways. Yeah, that kind of like a game that's sort of about nothing. Like you just, it's just about the experience of essentially taking a vacation. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it's it's interesting to see that show up. There's no way on earth that's ever getting localized, but it is interesting to see that Millennium Kitchen lives on, which I believe was that development studio's name. Sounds uh, right. The last time that they showed up in any capacity that I'm aware of, it was for the Guild Zero One or two, the the Level Five Guild uh, series. They made a game that was localized as Attack of the Friday Monsters, uh-huh. which was basically the same idea, except that you were it's except that you were a child living in a Tokusatsu series. <laughs> and so the idea was that like your idyllic life had in the background like. There was there were people fighting monsters every Friday because that's just how Tokusatsu works. But yeah, so it's it's all it's nice to see when that kind of developer is like still kicking around, even though it seemed like they might have disappeared forever. <laughs> so just wanted to highlight that one as being a interesting thing to see exist. Yeah. So. Yeah, so that's that's the direct. There was a lot to chew on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it it certainly satisfied me. I was excited. Oh, uh, the Xenoblade Chronicles Two uh, heroine is going to be added to Smash. Uh, uh, this is two of them, right? Homura and Hikari. Yeah, in English, Pyra and Mithra, but they they're a dual character where like you swap between them. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. So. Uh, if you if you remember how Zelda and Sheik functioned in like Melee, that's how they how she works. Yeah, I've never actually played Smash Brothers. I don't know. Yeah, so basically, it's just you have a button combo that will swap between the two, and they each have their own set of moves. That's actually how they work in Xenoblade. Yeah. Uh, itself. You switch, yeah. Switch between the two forms. But yeah, so that that character looked very fun, and yeah. it reminded me that I need to play Xenoblade. I have, you know, I, I was going to just run through one and two, and I've got like a halfway through uh, Xenoblade Definitive save that I need to pick back up. Uh, also, I just love looking at like Wales now playing Triangle Strategy, and I just love looking at this because it just reminds me of the opening of like an ogre of a Tactics Ogre or a Final oh, Fantasy Tactics. It absolutely does. Which is definitely on purpose, but like yeah. you know what, I accept the wink. 
Uh, I was just going to say, I thought for a second they were just going to put Rex in Smash Brothers, which I think would be kind of a mistake. That would have been much less interesting to me. Yeah. Choosing Pyra was much more interesting. Because it's just like, at least at least she is different from Shulk. Because like, Rex would inevitably have to play a lot like Shulk, even more so. So. Well, I think Shulk is a much more interesting character than Rex, too. That's fair. Rex is kind of just there to, I don't know. Rex is the protagonist dope that the that like Shulk is like the, a character that a lot of the plot of Xenoblade One revolves around, whereas Rex is more of the dope that other characters exist, that other characters sort of hang on. Right, he he's not like in, integral to the central plot as much as Shulk is. He's kind of just the hero that happened upon things. Essentially. Yeah. He is not unimportant to that plot, but he is not intrinsically important to that right, plot. Right. But yeah, so instead they did they took in Pyra, who was much more intrinsically important to the plot of Xenoblade too. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that she looks fun. Uh yeah. honestly I had a lot of fun watching that direct. It looked it had a lot of stuff that I was really interested in and the uh, the amount of stuff that they could still show that was like, this is coming within like four months is crazy to me. Yeah. That's one of the things that made it so exciting to me was that, like, oh, most of these things I'll be playing sometime soon. Yeah. Um, this triangle tech, what I don't know, can't even triangle remember. strategy. Thank you. This triangle strategy, uh, is 2022. Uh, that's not soon enough because this is absolutely my GM and I want it now. <laughs> but yeah they showed some really cool uh things in that trailer of like uh environmental interactions that you couldn't get away with on like some of their older strategy rpgs they showed like burning down a house and then uh to change the uh way that the battlefield was laid out or like lighting a fire and then uh casting ice on it to create like a giant puddle and then that puddle would allow, if you cast uh, lightning on that puddle, it would zap everyone who was on a square that that puddle intersected with. So there's a lot of interesting ideas that they're bringing into it. Uh, I'm very, very excited. Yeah, uh, I just hope they can deliver story-wise, because they kind of have big shoes to fill, considering the obvious inspirations. Yeah, the other thing is that they were kind of going for, like, a three factions thing, which, uh, and, like, your choices affecting that, which leads me to believe it'll be more in the Tactics Ogre vein. But, I'm good with that. Which is not a bad thing. Yeah, no, it's just one of those things that, like, it's interesting to be aware of, and, like, it, it, it changes how this is going to work. I'm very interested in it. It looks yeah. really cool. It's uh, cool. Will they make you slaughter an entire village at the end of Chapter 1? The answer is yes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like, like this has... Like one thing that I think that this team has been very good at uh, is taking influence from a lot of these old games without feeling like they're so directly aping them that they compare unfavorably. Yeah. Because <laughs> like that's one of the problems that like Tokyo RPG Factory had was that they had they made these nice games but like they were so directly patterned after one specific game that it's like oh I yeah. just I just end up thinking of the game I'd rather be playing. And... Well, yeah, and that's kind of unfair because I think those games are totally fine. It's just yeah, like, like you're they're they, 
they're drawing. They just remind you of something else at all right. times. By intention, they're reminding you of something else that is way much better, and it does that. Whose shoes they can't fill, even though the game is good. Right. Exactly. And this, like like Octopath, uh, which reminded me of a number of different RPGs, but never so much that I couldn't. Like it was always being competing with like some new influence or like influence from another game, so it never felt like I was just playing an attempt to imitate an older game. It just was taking a lot of inspiration from a number of older games, and that's what sort of looks like is going on with Triangle Strategy. So uh, that's that's something that I think this team has shown themselves to be quite good at. So I'm very excited. I'm very very excited. Uh, <laughs> Just looking at this is getting me all giddy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't like Square doesn't make this kind of game anymore. Uh, but here we are. Um, so yeah, very very excited. Uh, oh hey, Scar in the chat jumps in just to say this looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. They've really they've really <laughs> done amazing work with this aesthetic that they're pushing the their HD two D. Uh, concept that they started with Octopath. This just looks wonderful. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm exceptionally excited. Uh, let's actually hit a couple of questions because Budai threw some into the comment section. So uh, once again, good to good to hear from you again, Budai. Um, Here's one uh, that actually brings up the game you just, uh, well, that would be related to the game you just stopped playing. Uh, what do you think about holy slash legendary swords that used to be a cliche in RPGs? Uh, I think a lot of people uh, start from a base of King Arthur and move outward. <laughs> there are just so many good magic, holy, legendary swords in actual literature and mythology and folklore and everything else. It would be a shame. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm remembering Saga Three, where it had the four magic swords, and it had Excalibur, Durandal, uh, Masamune, and I can't remember the third, fourth one, but it was something Chinese. Yeah, and it's like every, almost every culture has at least one of them. <laughs> yeah. So it's one of those things that's like it's instantly recognizable and communicatable to just about anyone you try to sell try to sell a game to. I almost it's, miss it. Yeah, it's a foundational trope. Yeah. I almost missed this kind of cliche. It's kind of gone away. You don't see this that often in... I mean, you see variations on I was just reading up on a game the other day called Control, I think. Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. weird one. Yeah, and I was just um, I just saw a reference to it, so I was looking at the story, and it's like the main character becomes the official director of the Shady thing, um, Institution by directly yeah, inheriting a weapon. I've been just playing it myself, actually. yeah. And it's like you have the, uh, it was like, I can't remember the name of the weapon. It was, I'm not even sure if it was a gun or something, but it was supposed to be a weapon that symbolized the uh, power of the directorate, of the director and the organization. And Mm -hmm. simply by possessing it, you got named the director. Yeah, that happens right at the start of the game. It is a gun, at least as how it manifests, but like, it's one of those situations where it's like, it feels like, as far as the game's fiction is concerned, it's a gun because that's what you'd expect it to be. So, yeah, so, I mean, that is pretty much this trope. Yeah. If, if you had said it in medieval times, it would be a sword. Yeah, it is the, like, it's it's very useful to have, like, because, you know, the 
the concept of, you know, leadership is heavily wrapped up in the capacity to enact change. And the easiest metaphor for that is a weapon. Like, well, what's the weapon that enacted change? Like, you know, empire built on the end of a sword. So, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's a lot of reasons that this trope uh, has endured over and over and just like sort of metamorphoses at all times. We don't get to see the traditionalist like sword in the stone take on this very often anymore, but we still see uh, weapons endowed with significance. And then, of course, uh, we also have uh, the game I can't stop talking about, Yakuza Like a Dragon, uh, has a character so like just brain poisoned by playing dragon quest games over and over that he sees a sword he sees a bat in the ground and he's like this must be a weapon of legend <laughs> so but or uh okay I, I have never actually played um south park stick of truth but was the stick of truth anything like this trope i have not played it either i'm going to assume yes <laughs> I think that they were just trying to get the stick because they decided that that was how the game concludes. But Sounds about right. But yeah, so... Uh, yeah, I think that this is something that we're, that it's like, it's just become harder to detect because like it keeps changing the way that it looks, but it's always the same idea being wrapped up in it. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is one that we can all probably answer fairly quickly. If you were relegated to PC only, could you be a computer gamer only? And the answer for me is probably not actually. I don't enjoy playing things on the computer that much. Yeah. Uh, I would be playing a lot more Overwatch. I would probably just be playing a lot less, only the things that matter the most to me. I just typically don't have fun <laughs> regulated to pc only this includes emulation that's true but i i honestly don't play a lot via emulator unless there's something that is a monumental pain in the ass to get officially yeah no i mean like i'm still seriously considering just playing some of my ps1 um, discs on the computer if i can mm. manage it yeah those uh those rip fairly quickly I have a lot of backups of like PS1 and PS2 games. But let's see. And this next one is one that's basically fired uh that's straight down the middle for me. Do you foresee a new brawler Yakuza before a turn-based one? No, I do not. Uh I could see a spin-off that is a brawler coming out before the next Maniac is a game that will almost assuredly be turn-based, but I suspect that for the foreseeable future, Yakuza will be a the mainline Yakuza games will be turn-based affairs. Sounds good to me. Uh, yeah, like it's it's one of those things. It's just like when they made that decision, they kind of like set the course for this style of Yakuza is now likely to be synonymous with this protagonist of Yakuza. And what we know from statements made by his voice actor is that he's been assured that this will be uh, work he'll be having for at least about a decade. So, 
sweet. I was gonna say, uh, is that the Japanese voice actor or the Japanese American voice actor? actor? What? Japanese? Japanese voice actor. Yeah, the Japanese companies tend to hold on to their voice actors for decades. Yeah, but it's also specifically like he was basically assured by uh, Nagoshi, the creative director of the entire franchise, that uh, Ichiban would be the protagonist for the foreseeable future. So, mm -hmm. okay, that's There's... why. Uh, it got brought up because he, he he actually was a veteran of the franchise. His casting was almost a joke, actually, because he was, uh, as if I am remembering correctly, Ichiban's voice actor was actually Nishikiyama in the in the first Yakuza, who was the uh, evil rival of the protagonist in the first game. <laughs> so he got recast as Ichiban, who is the new uh, the new dragon on the block in. Yakuza like a dragon. But yeah, I would, I would suspect that as far as mainline games go, we will be seeing uh, a Yakuza 8 that is turn-based. We might see a Judgment 2 before we see a Yakuza 8, but that's or like some other spin-off game. But, you know, I, I would suspect that the next Yakuza game will be a turn-based affair. Uh, I've actually been playing uh, Judgment myself a lot recently, and I'm still having a great deal of fun. I had, I just want to bring this up because I thought it was extremely funny. There was a side case that I took on that was about trying to catch a cat, uh, and the, your solution for how to get it. Uh, to how to get it down from an exceptionally high place is to fly a drone up there and try to entice it into chasing after the drone. <laughs> so, Yakuza yeah, understands how cats work. <laughs> Let's see. And now for something that maybe Wheels can answer, because I sure can't, because I hate the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Borderlands series at the moment? Was the last one a success, or do they need to shake up the formula? Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't think Borderlands should have the open world element at all. Anyway. I don't know what it's doing there. It seems like they're just trying to make a Diablo clone, and I don't think that open world makes sense there. Yeah, that's my point exactly. Like, I, I love the combat in the games. I love, like, all the loot and the crazy guns. I hate having to wander around a boring wasteland to do it. I think it's the worst part of the games in the series, and I think it's time to just get rid of it. I guess this, this isn't, like, ten years ago. Not everything needs to be an open world game. I mean, it always seemed like something that was a holdover from, like... Because Borderlands did not originally start as the game it became. Like, it was... Seemingly went through a few different periods of its development where it eventually ultimately settled out into the sort of Diablo-style game that it became. But it seems like originally the open world was a vestige of how the original was originally conceived, and then the later game sort of kept it because it already existed. Yeah. Uh, the only one of the games I haven't had a problem with it on is uh, the pre-sequel. Thought coming. <laughs> because you're on the moon, and there's low gravity, and it's kind of fun. And you're a whaler on the moon. You carry a harpoon. <sighs> yeah, that's, that's... 
I, I think everything about the series is fine. The newer engine, whatever they're using in the current game, fixed a lot of the jankiness of the earlier games. So they're on the right track. They just like you, you don't need to be an open world. You can even still have like the vehicle sections and whatnot, but you know, just reel it in a bit. Focus, focus. Like on the the open world doesn't actually add much to the series. Right. Uh, just to go down the rest of these uh, on 197, uh, we all know about how some how RPGs ramp up the stakes at the end to where you are fighting deities and going through surreal areas. Has there been any RPGs you can think of that didn't amp up the stakes enough at the end? That's a really hard one to think of because, like, so many of them really start going all out near the end. Hmm. Gaijin seems like the one who would have the most knowledge of something obscure that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't go hard enough, but uh Huh. See, I mean most Japanese RPGs go so over the top to begin with. Yeah. yeah. I mean I'm like, okay, let's see, there's this one. Oh no, wait a minute. That one has you fighting the face of Mars at an elf a Lagrange five point. I remember space. this one. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Um, see this one. Okay, that one. Okay, okay. There we go. I got this one. Um, Mark of the Mermaid, PlayStation tactical uh, RPG, where um, if, <laughs> yes, if you if you managed if you uh, managed to trigger the true final ending, which did the first time, then your final battle is actually against a star spawn of Cthulhu. Wow. Yes, or not. What's implied to be a lesser star spawn of Cthulhu, um, but. For all the random horror elements of the game, it never actually gets as surreal as you might have expected from something that is set firmly in the Cthulhu mythos. Hmm. It could have gotten much weirder at the end, especially if you did not activate the true final ending and just left on a ship at the hmm. end. So um, it could have gotten so much weirder. Interesting. Do you think that worked for it, or do you think that that was a misstep to not go as weird as they could have? All things considered, with the technology available at the time, it probably was for the best. Mm -hmm. So, um, they were already ha having issues with some texturing and a lack of enemy variety at the end. So it sounds like it was maybe even half budget at that point. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a, a surprisingly good game and. It managed the survival horror aspect of a tactical title quite well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like... I can't think of a game that I've ever seen, like, sort of completely underplay its finale. It's, it's real... Like, games are so hardwired to be much more prone to just going way over the top that I don't... I've definitely seen ones where it's like I've lost all connection to this narrative, but I've never seen one where it's like you could have gone further. <laughs> okay. Oh, different one. Um, similar issue. Hero, you rogue to ruin. Oh yeah, you liked that one, didn't you? Oh, it was great, and it and it completed the main character's personal character arc quite well. It's just that it at one point it's revealed that the castle that the university is set in is also the capstone of a seal that is holding in an elder god. That sounds like something that would come up. <laughs> yes. And um, while the 
backstory does in fact play some important roles in the in the how things turn out um you never see the ginormous tentacle filled boom um go huh. off so either they're saving it for another game or we just kind of walked our way around an apocalypse <laughs> that's like that same reason that like no matter how you look at it like when a when when you bring up that like oh if this if x happens there'll be a huge world ending disaster like that x always has to happen because bringing it up is just going to make you upset that you didn't get to see it <laughs> yeah i know i mean i have inadvertently caused the destruction of all reality before <laughs> shimagami tensei 4 that was not oh. the first one i was thinking of but yes that one too <laughs> <laughs> A, a Game Boy Advance title called um, let's see, uh, Samurai, Re Samurai Revolution O Kokogeist, where um, if you beat the final boss in the wrong way, then it triggers a massive black hole that completely consumes the Earth, and only like a thousand people manage to escape in a spaceship. Wow. Huh. Which said spaceship program is actually the one of the things that the villain of the game is working on. Because he, he believes that the end of the world is coming, and he is quite right, and he is willing to do literally anything to escape it. So, And or kill the trigger for it, which happens to be the main character's girlfriend. That seems like a problem. Eventually, eventually girlfriend, love interest. <laughs> yeah. Now, the thing is, the final boss... Um, so the game basically... Um, I have to compare this to Final Fantasy VIII's juncture system, even though it's nothing like it. Um, but you can use monsters or other NPCs as weapons hmm. in this game. And so the final boss has taken your love interest and is wielding her <laughs> as a weapon huh. in, in weapon form. Mm -hmm. And however, the way the game plays is normal battles, you are trying to break the enemy's weapons in order to strike at their core hit points. Probably don't want to break your girlfriend. Yes, that's how you trigger the black hole. That makes sense. So you have to make use of a special ability which heals weapons, not yours, the enemy's weapons, and take advantage of skills that strike through the weapon and at the opponent. And you have to really know what you're doing with the skills list in that game. <laughs> yeah, to get the good ending. So. But yeah, so I have accidentally caused the complete collapse of reality into a Schwartzchild radius. Twice. Times. Yeah. Two after different games. the first time, like, I mean, who's, who's even counting after that? Yeah. Actually, I can't remember. Is it possible to do that on Strange Journey as well? Because that was kind of the situation on the ground. Was, yeah. that there was that there was a sort of black hole sort of event happening in Antarctica, and on the other side was hell. <laughs> so. so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, sadly, I can't think of anything where I've seen someone underplay an ending, and I don't think Wheels has managed no. it either. No, can't think of anything. Underplay an ending, underplay an ending. Um, let's see what else here. Um, Fantasy Life. I don't remember what the plot of that was. Um, yeah, the, it's uh, basically the sky is falling. Ah, as you do. Literally, the sky is falling. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I think that was, let's see, how did, what did I send the review for that one? The greatest weakness of the central plot is that it exists. Oh, wow. Okay, then. Because, because this is a game that's based on the idea that you, choo- that you choose a job and you're just messing around in the world with it. It does not really need a, it does not need a central plot. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the prim- I mean the greatest threat to the world is solved by managing to rebuild the route to get back to um, to get up to heaven, help your little celestial friend get back up there, and turn and reset the whatever is going on up there. That's it. Yeah. So um, it's yeah, it's kind of a blip. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wheels' uh, Switch library does remind me. They also announced a physical edition of Hades. Yes. Hades. Maybe that's the version I'll grab. I was expecting like a limited run or something, but I guess... No, it's just going to places like Best Buy. It's too big for that. Yeah, I I feel like there's definitely companies that would have been lining up to be the ones that got to... Push out a physical edition. Yeah. Does it have uh, some kind of publisher attached to it? Uh, I don't know. Nintendo? <laughs> uh, I could see Nintendo wanting it, but I'm not sure if they would want to tie up with that because. Uh... I actually pre ordered it at Best Buy, but it did not have a box art yet. It's yeah, not I'm not sure. Okay, I'm publisher checking. Publisher Nintendo. Huh. I guess Nintendo decided that they wanted to tie that up as much as they could manage. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was a huge game for them, so... Won our game of the year. It also won the RPG cast game of the year. I will say FF7 Remake for Life, even though I haven't played uh, Hades, but I understand. That's my close number two, so it's all good. Yeah. Uh, to round out Budai's questions, uh, this one is probably I don't I don't think uh, Gaijin's played these recently, so I'll just throw this up. Uh, would you be disappointed if Persona Six decided to dial back on the amount of story and dialogue? Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say that kind of defines the Persona series. Like you dial back and you end up getting like a simplified SMT, which is not really a thing that I particularly need in my life. <laughs> Yeah. So that's one of those things. Like you, if you decided to do that, you have to replace it with something. And the dungeons in Persona are already about like Persona Five's dungeons are already about as complex as I want them to be. So got uh, limited interest in a uh, less dialogue and plot based yeah. Persona. Like if they wanted to do that, just make a SMT game. Make a new spinoff. Why you used to do that all the time. Persona? I don't understand. Yeah, Persona has like a very carved out identity at this point. So I think if they even wanted to consider doing such a thing, they would just make a new spinoff. And they would call it Shin Megami Tensei If 2. Let's see. Um... Oh no, it should be Shin Megami Tensei Maybe. <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, as for one that I think we, like, was put between our last recording. Yeah, it went up between our last recording and this week, but was put in the 196 question pile. I'll throw this out there. This one's from Crawl. Uh, at what point, if ever, does consulting an FAQ feel like cheating? What games do you feel forced, uh, feel forced you to consult a guide? Uh, I never feel like it's cheating. That's yeah. my secret. <laughs> That's my secret. I'm always cheating. It's true. <laughs> Not true. Shin Megami Tensei Taboon. Anything that involves a lot of um, crafting or just putting stuff together or random, very random uh, interactions. Yeah, like those those systems are difficult to explain in game and often poorly conveyed. Uh Let's see. Uh, as for games that I've definitely like felt nece it necessary to use an FAQ, um, Vagrant Story, uh, like several Saga games, several Souls games. Uh, I say there's at least one Saga game where you really need to read the FAQ before you ever boot it up. Yeah, that's uh, one of the ways that me and Wheels Wheels met trying to use a combination of FAQs and community knowledge to uh, disentangle the inscrutable unlimited saga. It didn't work. It's yeah, it didn't wondering. work. Neither of us managed to finish. Uh, I'm going to say the primary FAQ on GameFAQs for that is literally novel length. We watched like it, multiple... It's like a like, one, one point something megabyte text file. Yeah, it's, it's a big boy. Uh, but we watched multiple like 20 to 40 minute long tutorials just about the magic system. It's a confusing game. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like I, I don't consider FAQs cheating just by virtue of the fact that like whatever, man. You still have to play the game. Yeah. So also I, looking back at, at this one, um, did you guys answer Budai's question about a dungeonless RPG? Yeah, we did talk about that a bit. If you've got more to add, though, definitely. I was going to say, uh, which games came up? Uh, we actually had difficulty coming up with one. What I came up with was that, like, usually this was not common to... Like, we brought up Scarlet Grace. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the first one. And then we talked a bit about how, like, this was... It's hard to structure, like, traditional RPGs around this and that you find it more in games that are ultimately... Uh, some combination of RPG and something else. So, like, I brought up, like, most Yakuza games, other than the turn-based one, don't really have dungeons, per se. Ogre Battle. Yeah. Oh, Ogre Battle. That's a good one. Come to Ogre Battle Fight. And, I mean, basically... Strategy uh, RPGs typically uh, yeah. don't have traditional dungeons. I mean, a lot of the Atelier games didn't have dungeons. Yeah, yeah. I only I mean, had experience I mean, with Ryza does. Show, but... <laughs> the, the Ryza games definitely do, but most of them don't. I only have experience with Aisha thus far, so I wasn't comfortable say, making a grand statement about that. Aisha's pretty, um, pretty, uh, not generic, but pretty typical there. Yeah, yeah. I just I didn't have a broader experience to work yeah. from. But I mean, like the first three Atelier games did not actually have. Um, exploration that makes sense you traveled on a map you stopped at a spot you just gathered stuff and occasionally monsters attacked they're just entirely menu based kind of yeah makes sense 
mean, basically, you did physically go out onto the map and go to places, but you did not actually walk around in those places. That yeah, they were like gathering until... points, basically, just scattered on the top of a map. Yeah. That didn't really happen until um, Atelier Judy hmm. for PlayStation 2. Hmm. And the uh, the DS Ateliers are similar. Um, Makes sense. I mean, Annie and... Um, and Lena actually allowed you to walk around a screen and look at stuff <laughs> and find it, but it was not a dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like uh, you you kind of need to have like a very different emphasis uh, on the game structure from a traditional RPG to make a dungeonless RPG work. Yeah. And Adelier does that. And stuff like Yakuza does that. Stuff like Ogre Battle does that. Yeah. And Scarlet Grace does that. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, that's the Consult the Guide set. Um, can probably quickly run down. Fireminer dropped in a bunch more questions, and not all of them were even for... Uh, for Platy M3 for Dragon Quest purposes, so. But we can leave those for him. Yeah, those are getting left for him, but there, there were a couple of uh, other new ones that I wanted to to circle around to. Uh, let's see. Regarding your points in the last episode about what happened after credits, I forget what that question was. I'll have to check. Uh, let's see if I uh, or if if that was even in response to a question, or if I just went off for a while for some reason, <laughs> we'll find out. Uh, let's see, uh, definitely. Uh, does anyone remember Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker? You definitely can't call what happened after the credit. You definitely cannot call what happened after the credits post-game content. Since they- oh, I think I remember what brought this up, which was that. The second half of Tales of Legendia is hidden behind its credit sequence, and I think oh, yeah. I ranted about that yeah. for like ten minutes because it was stupid. Uh, let's see, but yeah, um, yeah, you definitely can't call what happened after the credit post-game content since they explained probably half the plot as well as directly tie it to the sequel, and then Metal Gear Solid Five did again. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Metal Gear Solid, when was the last time anyone made an RPG about modern-day soldiers anyway? Uh, Alpha Protocol? Alpha Protocol is probably the closest I can think of. Man, that game's really good. Everyone should go yeah. play that. Um, stop yeah. listening to this. Go play that now. I wish that was backwards compatible. Not- yeah. Uh, Microsoft owns its developer now. Sega published it and still has some sort of tie to it, so that's the real issue. Uh, on the other hand, would you call the class a system in an FPS-like Battlefield RPG-like? Well, it's clearly meant to mimic, to mimic the investment, but I mean, I wouldn't call yeah. it meaningfully RPG-like. It's just RPG elements show up in a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, in this case, they affect the gameplay the same way as with games like Dungeon Explorer. Also, to at wheels, when Monster Hunter Hunter Rise officially comes out, which weapon do you plan to use first? I think I will play it safe with Gunlance. Uh, Gunlance is my go-to weapon. It's the weapon that got me into the series. So, probably that and 
usually switch between two, so probably that and either the insect glaive or the charge shield. But probably I'll use the hunting glaive. horn. No. They revamped it. You gotta use it. No, I tried that on stream and it was embarrassing. I'm not using that thing again. <laughs> I I can't look like a fool in front of the hunt viewers. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, oh sorry, I kind of spaced out for the uh, RPG about modern day soldiers. Um, <laughs> seems like something someone would have tried other than Alpha Protocol, but. That's the thing. I mean, modern day soldiers, it's it's too close. It's too close. It's one of those things like people don't want to deal with subject matter that will inherently cause issues for them. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I, no, but I mean, it's it's also like, I mean, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking more like, what's the biggest it problem with trying to draw a dog? It's that everybody knows what a dog knows looks, what a dog like. looks yeah. like. Yeah. So it's much harder to get it to look right. But if you draw a dragon, anything goes. Because yeah. you're not familiar with it. You can decide what a dragon looks like. I just want to specify for people that haven't actually played Alpha Protocol that it is specifically a spy RPG. Yeah. Which is part of how they can kind of do it. Like, it's it's yeah. as close as you'll get. Like, yes. this, it's also just RPGs aren't really built for this kind of... Or at least the modern mode of RPG is not really built for this the kind of storytelling that uh, a modern-day soldier game would be. I guess the other closest thing you would be would be like sort of soldiers fighting uh, fighting fantastical things, like something like an XCOM, I guess. I was about to say XCOM is the next item, I would say. So, so XCOM has aliens. Yeah, XCOM has aliens, but it's one of those things where it's like that's as close as you'll get, is yeah. that you you contrast like modern military aesthetic against something fantastical. I don't know, make a RPG series out of gate. Oh lordy. Get, get a whole get a whole different group of people angry at you. Yeah, that gate, that sure is a let's not talk about it. Um mm -hmm. Uh, and yeah, like uh, you also, we've, we've discussed this before, but you also run into the thing that like, you're not going to see a lot of stuff like this from Japan because the relationship with the military is very different. Yeah. So that's why you have space defense force and things like that. Yeah. You get to, it has to be like something where it's like the, the need for such a thing is immediately delineated by the premise or the audience will somewhat reject it. So well, that's, and you get to use the initials SDF. Yeah, pretty much. But what about the EDF? EDF. EDF. Listen, everyone go, everyone go play Earth Defense Force. <laughs> do people not, do people here not play Earth Defense Force? They should play Earth Defense Phil Force. Does. Yeah. That's a good game. I feel like you'd enjoy Earth Defense Force, Wheels. Probably. I just, uh, I don't, I, I don't have a good it's... explanation, honestly. Oh, the uh, next, next series is coming up. Earth Defense Force Brothers. Yeah, World Brothers. World Brothers, which, which basically looks incredible. like the Minecraft version. Oh, yeah, there's another... pretty cool. Or actually, there's I think another... it looks like the Lego version. Uh, doubly cool. There's another, like, normal Earth Defense Force coming out alongside World Brothers. I'm trying to remember what it's called. Uh, I guess it's just Earth Defense Force 6, which is coming out next year, I guess. 
that. I really wish that one or more of these would show up on Switch because they would be a very good portable game. Mm. Uh, for those who are who have never played an Earth Defense Force game, they have some RPG elements uh, because there's a lot of like building your character in that sort of vaguely Diablo-y mold, but they're uh, games about uh, the entire Earth being invaded by 50 sci-fi monsters and you just blowing up everything in the attempt to get rid of them. It's, so, like... It's like a tokusatsu anime. Yeah, sort of like that, except that you're playing as, like, a soldier with guns, except that the further you get into the series, the more that it becomes, like, a future soldier with like jetpacks and nonsense. So, because uh, I mean, once you accept the premise, you have to accept that technology is going to have to go w- along with it. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah, like you, you get uh, you, you'll you fight like giant ants and other very like cheesy sci-fi stuff. It's it's very it's very fun. Good co-op games. Uh, no, I, I enjoy playing like Earth Defense Force Six with you. We when that comes out. We should try that. And oh wait, that comes out this year. It's 2021 now. <laughs> and which and set on Switch? Uh, I don't know that we know yet. We'll find out. Okay. Because it's, I just I know it's been announced. I don't know if it has like a target platforms. I think uh, we can do a uh, Q and A side quest. <laughs> Sit around. Uh, I'll be one of the like Valkyries that flies around in a, a jetpack. You'll be whatever you end up playing as. Uh, but yeah, uh, that'd be fun. That's uh, those are those are good games. Uh, man, uh, now I'm just thinking about how uh, when I first played Earth Defense Force, it was the Xbox 361 2017, and at that time, 2017 was 10 years in the future. <laughs> that feels weird. Um, uh, yeah, if you've never played, uh, if you've never played Earth Defense Force, uh, that's a that's a good mess around game. It's also on Steam for those interested. But yeah, um, yeah, those are the questions we got added since last week. Is there any? Uh, do we want to do any more? Uh, uh, I mean, looks like we're. we're how much time do you guys have left? It's like yeah, 12. like we're getting pretty late for Later. wheels. I'm good right now. I'm I'm in uh, I'm in the Hades zen, zone, so I'm not falling asleep anytime soon. Oh yeah, apparently um, the mighty Antonio whatever his name is, um, one of our Tam, huh? Tam, yeah, Tam, the anime man. Yeah, Tam uh, oh. Stafford. Oh, well. anim- oh, that never mind. So I can't keep track of handles. Very well. Yeah, <laughs> the anime man. He's like, yeah, one of you guys sounds like my um, coworker. I'm like, which one? He's like, I don't remember um, what uh, which one of you guys it is. I'm like, okay, so if, try to remember what we're talking about. If we're talk, if this person is talking mostly about technical stuff, it's probably Dave. If they're talking <laughs> about obscure games that you've never heard of, it's probably me. And if they sound like they're about to fall asleep from ex- <laughs> sleep deprivation, it's Wheels. <laughs> and then Paul. Then Paul's chimed in saying that is the most accurate characterization of the podcast she's ever heard. <laughs> uh, well, I can't say that you didn't like completely destroy me in one shot. So, <laughs> congratulations. Hey. 
bad. Hey, yeah. I've gotten some sleep this week. Yeah, and it kind of shows. You sound alive. Yes. Uh, I was going to say coherent, but yes. We are almost at the end of teething. Good, good. Also, uh, it looks like World Brothers is teething? on Switch. No. That the Lego, the Lego. Yeah, that's the Lego one. Sweet. I'm all for that. My brain game has is been boldly drawn in Voxel World. Yes, my brain has been destroyed by Minecraft. For people who just the official ad copy on the site is for people who just hate the look of huge real insects or who are not so good at brutal in-game expressions. This game can be your first EDSF experience, which you can in in which you can exhilaratingly defeat gigantic enemies. I love everything about this. <laughs> but yeah, it sort of looks it's like a... it's just EDF, but with a sort of Lego style, which, you know, we could play that. I was going to say, this series has always been incredibly self-aware as well, hasn't it? Oh, yeah, no, it was... You don't make something that looks or acts like this, ironically. Uh, like, to put it another way, the Earth Defense Force was one of those games that escaped the Simple 2000 series. Well, I mean, it's not so much escaped as much as they kind of ran out of money and they needed help, support to develop, and so they got supported by the Simple 2000 series. It's, I mean, in the sense of, like, the yeah. the first few were Simple 2000 games, and they kept going even though the Simple 2000 brand is seemingly dead. Yeah. But I mean, what, what I meant was that they weren't originally intended for that series. Yeah. Places. They just ended up in there somehow. Same thing with the Onechambada. Yeah, you can kind of tell the ones that were started beforehand and needed some sort of development assistance, but... Yeah, they... they yeah, they... I believe these are still developed by Sandlot, which, yeah, Sandlot, which is a lovely developer of very strange games. So I'm glad that they get to keep going. And yeah, World Brothers looks fun. So me and Wheels should play that later. Speaking, uh, of, speaking of developing very strange games, we need more word on Onion Games' new RPG. Yeah, I don't suspect we'll get that soon, but I, I'm excited to hear about it. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Uh, see. Also, Tam says that uh, the person they're referring to is whoever just commented about not getting destroyed, which I assume. I, I'm. I assume that was me. I don't know. <laughs> I am. I'm. I'm fanboy master. I'm David McBurney. So, yeah. Yes. It's you. Oh, he's listening in right now. <laughs> Yeah, Tam's in the... The winner is the, you. Um, a, a winner is you, pro wrestling for your Famicom. Made by people who would later go on to make uh, Fire Pro Wrestling, beloved. Oh, speaking of pro wrestling, I just actually finished Hero Bank. Oh, nice. And um, due to a mix-up where I left most of my notebooks at home but took my computer with me to go type somewhere, I... Uh, kind of just chugged a bottle of cafe latte and freestyled a review <laughs> it needs a little more work before i put it on the site but you want to give us a preview of your final thoughts huh you want to give us a preview of your final thoughts well for my first final thought is okay do i really need to define the word kayfabe somewhere early on in this review because i use it like five times i think there's probably a need for it there's yeah. 
enough people who won't know what it means. Otherwise, you yeah. end up in the Disgaea 4 situation where they use Sundere all over the place, and I had no idea what it, what the hell they were talking about. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, I probably should, yeah. Other than that, I think I need to add a, um, add a paragraph about the side quests, just because that's kind of what kept me stalled out in Chapter 7 for three months. Is I just kept doing the unending series of side quests. <laughs> it's like me every time I play a Yakuza game. I was just, I mean, I had to make a point early on. It's This is nothing bad against the game. It's just it, the battles are really fun and the plot was so ridiculously shown in that I knew what was going to happen, so I just didn't bother con- completing it for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yes. Uh, only in a shonen manga would would literally fifth graders be participating in virtual blood sports. Fifth graders would get or, would do that if they thought they could get away with it. But yeah, yeah. For what is the equivalent of about ten billion dollars? Okay, I don't think anyone would reward fifth graders with ten billion dollars for participating in virtual blood sport. But yeah. Oh, no, I mean, all the prices in this game are ridiculously overinflated for the virtual items on purpose. I mean, the the weakest, I mean, first of all, attacks cost money in this game. And you literally, you pick up money that people throw onto the ring for you. So if you, as long as you are putting up a good show, you keep getting funded, basically. Yeah, um, that makes the, sense. So the weakest attack costs 50 mon, or 5 mon. Which is fifty thousand yen, which is equivalent yeah. to five bucks. So the nastiest attacks I saw were like three hundred mon. So. Oh yeah, wheels. I was going to ask, are you ready for New Mario Golf? Oh hell yes. That is. <laughs> I heard that is it's an game. RPG this time. Yes. I was going to say it had RPG material in it didn't it yep. yeah it's got a single player rpg mode and speed golf actually looks fun that looks hilarious okay those, so did they what did somebody play golf story and realize that they could do this it this seems like a different take on things because like so the 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 uh rpg mode looks like it's in the style of like the game boy color and game boy advance uh rpg modes but speed golf is like its own wild animal yeah. where basically everyone tees off at the same time. And then the point is to get your ball in the hole as fast as possible. So you need to run for your ball and like you're racing each other to reach the, the, uh, <laughs> the, the hole, uh, all in real time, which honestly looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, like there's no essentially there's no taking turns. Everyone just plays. And you just go go go. Looks looks uh, pretty ready made for uh, online play. It looks like a great shenanigansy party game as yeah. well. Yeah, I'm all for that. It looks so good. Mm. Yeah. Um... So, uh, yeah, do we do we want to tackle another question or? And did we actually talk about what we're playing right now? We uh, no, we did we not. Probably circle back to that. Yeah, that's tradition. <laughs> yeah. 
Who wants to go first? Well, I might as well then, because I'm, I'm um, after I finished yeah. Hero Bank, I decided, you know, I'm just going to go back to an oldie bit goodie that I haven't played for a year. So I'm uh, currently uh, in the inner space section of Saga 2. Nice. Yes. The, that most eclectically collected of games, game scenarios. Of course. Yeah. I mean, how many other games actually have an inner space section? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's the thing that you have to define for someone before you send them there. So not often. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I was like, okay, we're we're fighting a demon god in the tower in the desert. Now we're visiting a town that used to be inhabited by giants, and now we're shrinking down to perform magic surgery on a friend so that she doesn't die. Basically, like, hmm. yeah, as you do. So. That game rules. So, yes, wa- yes, wonderfully, wonderfully random game. So I'm on the new game plus with four robots this time because that's what I decided to do for nice. the next one here. So. Nice. so it's interesting just seeing what I can do with random equipment. I'm not. I'm trying not to buy as little as possible, just okay. because I'm saving up for stuff that's on the black market that I carried over from the previous game. <laughs> And, um, yeah. But haha, all these magicians are trying to put my characters to sleep. <laughs> They're immune. Uh, yes. Good luck. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So that's, uh, that's it for you, Saga? It's, yeah. You know, tradition got to be ready for saga frontier remastered coming in two months yes yes i'm so excited <laughs> yeah and trying to decide what to play next because i've got several items for ds 3ds vita and switch that i have not played and... i've got so many things that like i showed wheels my like intended list in the intended order and it was just like 12 things that were the shortest of which was 12 hours long and the longest of which were like 80 <laughs> hours long <laughs> And that was just on one platform. I uh, would recommend The Outer Worlds, because it's not super long. Yeah, that is on my list to do. It's not super long. It's quite good. <laughs> yeah. So, it is, you, can, it you can do that one in like 20 or so hours, I think. Yeah. Which, for RPGs, is pretty pretty compact. Yep. Let's see... I just tossed two extra Switch games onto my list of things I have to play. Uh, which ones? Uh, Malady of Memory and uh, Phantom Strikers, which comes out in a couple days. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad that I can't, I can't actually play that yet. Yeah, you did mention that you've been playing some Persona 5 Royal, though. Yeah, I'll go next. Uh, I am stuck in Grinding Hell in not one, but two Dragon Quest games. <laughs> uh, seven, oh. I'm stuck on a boss that uses a win, a win spell on your entire party and attacks twice each turn. And mm-hmm. it's uh, pretty brutal. So uh, trying to grind up rough to be a paladin. So that might take a while. 
Uh, and in Dragon Quest Eleven, I think uh, my characters are just underleveled. That sounds like you. Yeah. Well, if that happens to me in Dragon Quest. <laughs> also, because you're playing nice. in the Draconian Trials too. Well, that and just I think I went tried to go like directly towards story events too often, where they seem to yeah. expect you to do a bit more wandering. So I just so much to wander. Just a bit underleveled. Uh, but yeah, Persona, I'm on the second palace. I'm actually at the boss of that palace right now. My uh, PS5 is currently in rest mode, so I will be playing that once we finish up here. Uh, let's see. Oh, and Tam asks, is that the Gin Cloud thing? Please tell me it's the Gin Cloud thing yes, it's for DQ7. Yes, it is, sir. <laughs> uh, He's a jerk. But yeah, um, what you call it? Uh, but yeah, so you're uh, you're taking on uh, the second boss, which quite a that's a, that's a that's a bit of a cool down between bosses one and three. Uh, not necessarily in terms of like difficulty, but so much as like. The story of part uh, of the first dungeon is so heavy, and the story of the third dungeon is really pretty heavy too. So, like they kind of cool dial it back a little in dungeon two, so that you can cool down a little bit. I don't know the revelations at the end of the second. Oh, they're dark. Pretty heavy. Pretty dark. They're dark, but it's they're, like, they're. Oh, this guy is much worse than. Even worse than you imagine. Yes, way way worse. But yeah, it's one of those things where it's like. Uh, you you get to go through a lot of that dungeon with like this guy's bad, but he's yeah, not you yeah. know, as, as opposed to the uh, the more clear and present dangers to all involved that are dungeons one and two. Uh, one and th- no, one and three. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's one of the things that I think is good about uh, the pacing of Persona Five is that they don't stop like. They they never let you down in terms of like why you would be taking on the next dungeon, but you know they don't have to be in this constant. Like some of them are more personal stories, and some of them are more like uh, large scale stories, and I appreciate that. So excited for you to keep going on as I dive headfirst into Persona Five Strikers probably sometime in the next couple weeks. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, so you've been playing Persona 5 Royal and probably grinding on and off in those other in those uh, DQ games. Yes, and I also have another sort of side project going on. Yeah, I was curious. So I've been picking up all the Sting games I'm missing, and not all not all the Sting games. There's some I don't really care about, like Dokapon Kingdom, <laughs> and probably Baroque. <laughs> uh, but so I'm probably going to be messing around with uh, Igdra Union at some point. So the Department Heaven games, basically. Yes. Uh, but I have also picked up unpronounceable Vita game, Mask of Deception, and its sequel. How is this spelled? <laughs> it's Yuta War. Oh, Yuta Yes. That one. Oh, the, the one that Paws can't pronounce. Yes. So one. she said she she calls it what is it underwater? Um, is it Raymond or what Ray Ramon or something like that? 
It's everyone loves Ray Romano. Romano. Joe. Yeah. Ray Romano. That was it. Yeah, Utawari Romano. Yeah, yeah Romano, which is kind of a kind of a franchise in Japan. But yeah, it's but it's uh so people may be surprised I tried this since it's basically similar to Tears to Tiara, which I did not. They even both started as horny visual novels. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I know, it's. I mean, I, I from my remember is like Utawada Rumono, the the uh, naughty bits were added mainly because that's kind of expected for from the PC crowd. Yeah, that's one of those things. Like that's true of a lot of those where it's like, yeah. well, this this will sell it to that yeah. crowd, and that's yeah. what we need to survive. So yeah, it, it wasn't intention intended to be an etchy game from mm-hmm. the get go. It just had those elements added in because they were expected. So that's why it was able to be adapted out as easily as it was. Uh, Unlike Toshi and Toshi, which is a miracle it ever got anything released outside of the PC. That always sounds like more of a reverse miracle. (laughs) Uh, Something that we should have hoped would never happen. I was going to say, the more I look into it, the more it's like, this game is basically the Japanese equivalent of Gorian fantasy. If If you're aware of what that is... Okay, if you don't know what that is, don't look it up, please. No, don't. You're free. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it's it's not it's not something you want to be reading, most likely. But, uh, or else you would already know what it is. Uh, Alex is a big fan of these games, and in fact, when I fired up the game, and you know how on Vita Games it shows like some of your friends who've had achievements in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it popped up with a bunch of achievements from Max Storm. Oh. Yeah. But it, it, it felt like, oh, okay, I guess I have chosen wisely here. And I've actually enjoyed Matt it. liked it. That's I, a testament to it. Yeah, I've actually enjoyed it quite a lot so far. It's It doesn't seem like it will suffer many of the complaints I had to with Tears to Tiara. Two, which felt like two completely different games. <laughs> Whereas this feels like the when you do get to a battle, it's much more integrated with the actual story. Yeah, I think this might have always been a tactics game, even on PC. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's a very interesting story. I'll have to see where it goes. I've heard good things, but uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Uh, Tam confirms that it was, in fact, always a tactics RPG. Nice. Which uh, explains why it uh, integrates those better than. Yeah, but yeah, the reason I am playing it again is because it involves Sting, and I did love the tactics battles in Tears to Tiara 2, so. Curiosity. We also play a Super Sting game. I have played a Super Sting game. Which ones were Super Sting again? Uh, that was the. Hyper- the Hyper, Hyper Devotion, Devotion Noir. Noir. And something. Uh, it was um, Pandora something. Generation of Chaos or something. I think I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I couldn't tell you what it was. Uh, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Wheels is on a sting kick, I guess. Yeah, it's a developer I've always had an affection for because surprise, surprise, they make weird games. I love weird games. Yeah, and you know, king of the among those being Knights of the Nightmare, which is uh, almost a, indescribable. It's a game <laughs> I have played, and I don't understand it even. <laughs> I remember when Atlas localized it; they put out like a series of YouTube videos just trying to describe what it was. 
So it is a that was... bullet hell, real time, something or other. Real-time yeah, there's strategy. bullet hell, there's real time strategy, there's Chess. some other things going on. Um, slot machine. Or roulette, one of those two. It's a thing. A lot going on there. Generation of Chaos Pandora's Reflection is the other Super Sting game. Sounds fake. Um... Oh, it's real. <laughs> I think that's it. I don't see see any other Compile Heart or Dia Factory games in here. So, so yeah. I will report more on what other weird Sting games I play. Sting. Oh, and it probably will not all... Evolution is another game I will probably not be buying. I remember that being terrible on the Dreamcast. Someone can come correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but we won't. got an awesome boon in Hades. Mm-hmm. How awesome is it? Uh, pretty awesome. So I'm using so I'm using a bow where you your normal attack hits an enemy and then your special attack, which normally fires out a spread of arrows, uh, after you hit somebody with the normal attack, all that spread of arrows instead homes in on that enemy. Mm-hmm. And another boon I have flicks with the normal attack flicks a uh, status ambulance called Hangover. So what this boon does is Hangover afflicted foes are more likely to take critical damage, and every one of that spread of arrows have a chance for f- critical damage. So, in other words, it's most likely going to exponentially increase my damage output. Nice. Sweet. But yeah, as for what I've been playing, it's still Judgment! Yay! I got to a side case that was kind of fun because it kind of used the detective angle in a unique fashion because it's actually two side cases that, like, over the course of investigating one, you realize that they both have the same culprit and they merge into being one case. Which is pretty neat. Uh... The game still got all that Yakuza flavor. It's a little less polished than a mainline Yakuza game because it's trying something very different. And it manages... I've been impressed with its... So something I was thinking about while I was playing it, I I just want to briefly get this off my chest. Uh, Judgment, on the surface, has a lot of mechanical similarity with prior Yakuza games, but feels kind of nothing like them. Uh even though, you know, there's a lot of mechanical similarity there. Uh, Whereas, uh, I was contrasting it in my head with Yakuza Like a Dragon, which mechanically is a total departure from the other Yakuza games, like a completely different kind of game, but feels very much like the next in the mainline series. And I think that that speaks to how strong the franchise's identity, identity is, that a game that is mechanically more similar feels much more distinct than uh, much more different than the one that is mechanically a total reinvention. 
because the mood and tone and writing of the franchise are so uh, strong that you can identify them even without the signifiers that we would usually use to identify the sequel or, you know. I just thought that was interesting as I was playing it, but uh, I've been playing Judgment, been doing a lot of... I'm trying to do my usual, like, what I consider to be good enough for 100%, so I'm doing all of the... You have to make friends with most of the people in town. Uh, and that that produces some very strange outcomes. I found uh, this one person that I befriended was... is like this weave American ninja that... Uh, <laughs> once you befriend him, he starts wandering around town and he just, bu he'll bust into almost every fight in that you can get as a random encounter. He'll just show up and start throwing smoke bombs. And that's actually very, very useful because enemies hit with smoke bombs get stunned and that opens them up to really strong attacks. So, uh, very useful, very fun. Uh, I think I mentioned this last time, but, uh, the developers had, so there's like a, the, the localizers, I should say, had a lot of fun with uh, one of the recurrent side quests in this are these like three legendary perverts that are running around, uh, that are running around Kamurocho that you have to beat up and get arrested. And <laughs> uh, one of them, so there's like the, the like, a, a legendary voyeur, there's a legendary uh, groper, and there's a legendary panty thief. Oh, and <laughs> and they, they really went all out on like the localized names of these guys, because the legendary groper got localized as Ass Ketchum. <laughs> I'm completely destroyed by that name every time I read it. Oh, God. And... Yeah, like the the it's a very strange series of sub stories, and uh, it really speaks to how well the game is localized that they make all of these work. Uh, the like the sub stories in general are all high quality. There, uh, I did one that was like you were having to be the body double for like a guy. Uh, playing a vampire in some sort of like cheap TV show. And that that's incredibly strange. Your character hates having to wear the vampire costume. It's it's a very funny sub story, absolutely. Like all of these, like, you know, it's it's just it has the same quality of writing and like nonsense that Yakuza always has, but it has a very different uh, mood because it's like Yakuza is doing like it's combining its silliness with like crime thrillers and like underworld like mafia thrillers like you know Yakuza stories but this one is very much aping the style of like a detective TV show and it gives the whole proceeding a very different feel to it that I've been enjoying uh, but yeah the core plot's been pretty strong so far uh, I'm really excited to properly finish it because I'm interested in where it's going, but that ha hasn't stopped me from just doing all of the side content that I can get, get a hold of the second that I can get a hold of it because <laughs> all of it's really fun. So uh, consider that my uh, high recommendation as almost every Yakuza game gets. So, and that's been my game time for the past little while. Sweet. 
Have you and, added uh, Hades to your Switch list yet, by the way? Uh, no, because I don't own it yet. <sighs> okay. Like I said, I was contemplating, like, maybe I'll just buy the physical edition. I don't know. I like having physical things. <laughs> Me too. But first, I got, before that, I'm going to have to play Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory and Phantom Strikers. So, you know. You're, uh, it's going to be a bit. I'm sorry. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. But actually, you're furious. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we should probably wrap things up, which means someone should be delivering a plug right about now. <laughs> oh, sorry, yes. Okay. <clears throat> yes. <sighs> Princesses of the Pizza Parlor for Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Currently, nine episodes and one side story available in ebook format, or your choice of three paperbacks. Um, actually, please get all three if you want. Um, and uh, just, I hope you enjoy the. Um, series is published under the name Michael Yadimizu. That's Y A R I M I Z U. And if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can read them for free. And you can even try and get um, Amazon or was Alexa to read it out for you out loud, which is probably going to get substantially weirder the farther you get into that series. That sounds kind <laughs> of horrifying, honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, Platinum 3 says he's had some good success with it, but he hasn't actually gotten to the point where the stereotype of the dungeon master having to come up with weirder and weirder accents for NPCs hits. Oh, that's going to go places. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, episode eight, we introduce the, the swashbuckling rat folk with what is canonically the world's worst French accent. Oh, Alexa's going to love that. It is hilarious. I mean, it, yeah, I had a lot of fun doing that. And especially in the, uh, the next episode to be released eventually soon, as soon as I have a, cover um it's kind of revealed that he that the character the npc um actually plays up the accent as a form of psychological warfare <laughs> he, he can talk a lot more normally when he wants to he just doesn't normally want to <sighs> all of his friends can understand it by now and anyone who d anyone who doesn't understand it he wants to be confused <sighs> so yeah yeah and I don't think we've got anything else to plug. Uh, so. uh, I oh, and I, I did actually finish the manuscript for the fourth book in the series. Oh, nice. Paperback. So, which is, it's going to be a longer one. Um, <laughs> I uh, seem the, to keep doing that. <laughs> no, I mean, no the, the ninth episode ended with half the cast being reminded that, hey, they actually signed up for a week of summer camp back in May, and they had completely forgotten about it because they weren't that interested to begin with. But there's been money put down, and they have to go. <laughs> so um, You so can cancel book, before we put the money in. Yeah. So book four, instead of being like three or four episodes of the main game, is six days in a row of summer camp with games involved. <laughs> Which means it ends up being substantially longer than any other paperback in the series. <sighs> By about 50%. <laughs> so, it's gonna, yeah. It took a while to write. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah. That, uh, that wraps another Q&A quest. We promise that we will continue. Huh? I have a quick plug. 
listen, What's that? listen to the latest RPG cast, which is the they call it like the game of the year cast. Game of the year cast, yes. Uh, I was on it. A lot of other people was were on it. It's a lot of fun. Highly recommend. Yeah. So uh, that should be us for another week. We promise we will get back to Fire Miner's very large list soon, but mm-hmm. we generally like to hit things as they come because otherwise they get lost. So yeah. Uh, Thank you and, to. Oh, okay. Amazingly, we were actually able to do an entire podcast this week without actually dipping into that list. It's yeah. Been a while. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so thanks to all who asked questions this week. So that would be uh, Budai, Kroll, and. Uh, Fire Miner, but not Fire from Miner. the list. Yeah, not from the big list. And uh, thanks to everyone that we had in chat. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, from what I recall, was mostly Scar and Tam. But, uh, yeah, so, otherwise, we'll see you